0: I got you. Hey, my name is Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here. We want to say thank you for being here and joining us um, in the rain. It, church, it, it's, uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Come on, super. Some of you don't even care about that. Um, as soon as I found out that Tom Brady wasn't in the Super Bowl, I didn't care either. So if it ain't Tom Brady or it ain't the Dolphins, then, uh, then I don't really care who wins. But it's, it's, an, it's an amazing day. Tomorrow, by the way, somebody say tomorrow. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. So uh, if you're single in the room... Praise God, you don't got to buy anything, so uh, count that as a joy. But if you're married, and um, can I get, just give you a little secret, because you know, I've only been married for seven years now, and I've learned this, that um, CVS is open 24-7, so tonight, if you have forgotten to get something for your special someone, tonight CVS is open, and tomorrow morning, in fact, they're open 24-7, so you, <laughs> 5 a.m. in the morning, you're like, I have forgotten to get my wife something, so um, it's been a real... Uh, it's been great for me. Um, my wife hasn't really cared about that. I've done better this year. She doesn't know yet, but I've done, I've done a, little, a little better this year. Um, but today is also a special day because it's our senior pastor's birthday. It's my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, Dad. Come on. We want to honor you and just say how much we love you, how much I love you, and how thankful we are for you. You've led our church so well. You're, you lead me so well. And so I'm humbled to be your son, and uh, I know we're going to get to celebrate later today. But I won't tell you how old he is. Uh, he, might, he, might, he might tell you that, but uh, I will say uh, this year I've decided to get my dad some pickleball lessons because he just can't beat me. And I don't think he has, I don't know how many more years he has, his chance, his time to beat me. So that's what I might get him. Uh, but uh, I mean, you, before you leave today, if you could just honor him and just say happy birthday to him and, uh, um, and just celebrate. Um, yeah, we look forward to many more years. Um, we are in the end. We have been, if you're new here, Or if you've been with us for a while, we are on week five of a series we've titled The Model Church. Somebody say The Model Church. And, you know, it's interesting because in Scripture we find a church that sets the example of how we ought to do church. And from all the way from chapter one, we find that God is putting in in, in this church of Thessalonica, which Paul established, by the way, and had to leave because of persecution. We find here um, a church that is thriving. A church that is surviving and a church that is standing. They've got healthy people. They've got healthy leaders. They're a church that cares. that They're pleasing God. If last week you missed it, go back and listen to my dad's sermon. Uh, he didn't title it. He should have titled it The Please Meter. I thought it was a great great message, by the way, Dad. Listen to it because it was a church that knew um, who to please and how much to please. And uh, today Paul kind of changes the corner a little bit. Because, you know, if if, if you go back to, you know, the, the Gospels, because the, the end is... Uh, Jesus is crucified, then he ascends. And, and what did he promise that he was going to send? A helper, the Holy Spirit. But they also knew that he was going to return the same way he ascended. And so now all these new believers are wondering, when is Christ coming back? When is he returning? When is the end of the world taking place? And, and some of them were even concerned about the people who had already died, like they were going to miss the return of Christ. And so Paul addresses something. I want to start, if you have your Bibles... In chapter five, I want to read just a few verses, and then I'm actually going to backtrack to go to chapter four. But this will be on the screen. But if you have, if you have a real, a real Bible—not that your phone isn't a real Bible—if but you have your Bible, um, we'd like to hear the, we like to hear, we like to hear that. All right. So um, we're going to go in 1 Thessalonians chapter five. I'm reading from the NIV, which is, which by the way has been updated. I think in like 1984 or something like that. So my translation might be slightly different from the one that you see on the screen. If you're watching it online, it might be a little bit different. But this is verse one of chapter five. Paul says, now, brothers, about times and dates or times and seasons, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord, somebody say the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. I know you came to church to be encouraged today, so uh, you will, trust me. But you, somebody say me, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Here's this key verse for today. So then let us not be like others who are sleeping. Somebody say sleeping. In fact, if the person next to you looks like they're about to sleep, just go ahead and shake them and say, wake up. It says, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert. Let us be awake and sober. Pause that for a moment. You know, my sister who is now in Texas and her, and her husband who are ministering to a church in Texas, the great state of Texas, second to the great state of Florida. Amen. Amen. All right, to make sure we're all on the same page here. Um, You know, we visited, and there's just something about Texas hospitality. It's like Southern hospitality. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you have experienced that. Southern hospitality does not mean South Florida hospitality, by the way. Completely two different things. But Texas hospitality, I'll tell you what, my wife and I and my kids, we showed up to see them. We pull in their neighborhood. The whole neighborhood is out in the street awaiting our arrival. There are, there are signs, neighbors are holding signs awaiting our arrival. We get in, everybody's screaming, rejoicing. I felt like I was Jesus riding on the donkey. You know I mean? They were just, there was cookies in the house. There was signs in the house. There was a party happening. One of the neighbors, uh, we had cousins that were like, not far, they came into town to see us. One of the neighbors was like, I gotta cook them some of my famous ribs but he didn't get a chance to. So the day before we were about to leave, we had to go to the airport at 9 a.m., 8 a.m. He comes walking in, knocking on the door with some ribs. I have breakfast for ribs. That's what they do in Texas. They give you ribs for breakfast and you drink out of the faucet. I don't know what's going on in Texas, but that's what you do. And I'm just telling you, there, there was a readiness. Somebody say readiness. There was a readiness for our arrival. They, they, they were ready for us. And I think, I think Paul's somewhat saying the same thing here. You know, the return of Christ is, is coming. He's, he's coming back. In fact, tell somebody next to you he's coming back. Tell him it, it might be soon. Tell him it might be very soon. And um, Paul's just saying, I, I think you guys need to be ready for this. There's gotta be a readiness for his arrival. Because um, the day of the Lord that, that will come, it'll be a good thing for the believers, but it'll be a bad thing for those who don't believe. It'll be a good thing for those who are awake but it'll be a bad thing for those who are asleep. I'll never forget the phone call I got, like many of us have gotten before, that said, hey Jacob, my plane just landed, I'm on my way to baggage claim, I'll meet you there. But well, the problem was that phone call was what woke me up out of bed and I was about 45 minutes from the airport. It gets worse, it was my pastor at the time who called me, I was picking him up, I was sleeping. So here's my title of this message this morning, if you're taking some notes. Because all note-takers are believers, and all believers are note-takers. Here's the title, Don't Get Caught Sleeping. Come on, don't get caught. Tell the person next to you, don't get caught sleeping. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you, and we love you. And t- just today, Lord, I, I, we got plenty of things going on after, after this service. God, would you be glorified? Would you be honored? Would we be a church that is making ourselves available to the things of you, making ourselves available to the ministering of the people? And God, through your word, your scripture today, would you speak, would you encourage us, remind us of the coming of the Lord? We praise you and it's in your name. Everybody said, one more time, one loud voice, amen, amen, amen. The end of the world is a hot topic everywhere, right? And we're all about it. Hollywood is all about it. I love it. I lo- Does anybody love movies like that, End of the Worlds? I'm just all about it. These post-apocalyptic things. I mean, let's be honest. Some of us, we, we kind of want it to happen, don't we? We kind of want it to go to chaos. We kind of we, we know what weapon of choice is ours if that zombie were to attack us. Let's be honest. And we also know what store we're ransacking first if everything goes down. <laughs> we know. I mean, I, God, I'm not going to steal, but... I, I'm gonna be that dude that walks out with like the 80 inch TVs. You're like Jacob, there's there's no electricity. Why are you, why are you stealing the TVs? But I, I just I just wonder what it'll be like. I wonder what it'll look like, and of course I wonder when it'll happen. It was that 1998 movie Armageddon that messed me up. You know what I'm talking about that movie with Bruce Willis and uh, and Ben Affleck. There was a, there was, they discovered there's an asteroid the size of Texas that's coming to the earth and it's going to hit in in, in 30 days. And NASA puts together a, a a deep core, like drilling team to save the planet. Listen, that, that movie for the next 20 years, when I would read in the headlines, meteorite shower approaching earth, look to the skies. I'm like, look to the skies. Somebody call Affleck. Somebody call Bruce Willis because we are going to die. I'm not taking that look to the skies. We'll, we'll see it. it. It's coming for us. I, I, just, I just wonder if you're like me a, a lot, because of everything we've seen, everything we've heard, everything we even read, what is it going to look like, and uh, when when will it be? You know, Scripture calls this the, the day of the Lord, the return of Christ. And what I want to do is I want to go back to chapter 4, if you have your Bibles. I want to start in verse 13, because it's important for us that we get, that we get this before, I, before we start to break down chapter 5. And and and, uh, as as we do this, I I want you to know that I am not my dad with a doctorate degree in uh, eschatology, which is the study of the end. Uh, So uh, I just I want to read the scripture. I want to share some thoughts and then uh, you get to deep dive and discover what this really means to you. Okay. so look at verse 13. And and in fact, my title of, of that portion right there says the coming of the Lord. Look at verse 13 with me in chapter four. It says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who have what? Fallen asleep or are asleep in death. Or to grieve like the rest of the men who have no hope. Again, they were so, um, so interested in whether or not the people who had passed already, who have died already, were going to get to experience the return of Christ. They were like, they're going to miss it, Paul. Paul. They're going to miss the blessing. They're going to to miss the return. And Paul goes on to say in verse 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. We believe that God is bringing those people with him. Verse 15, according to the Lord's own words, we tell you that we who are still alive, somebody say me, Who are left till the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Those who have already died aren't at a disadvantage. In fact, I'll share this. This is by a guy named Dr. Edmund Hibbert. He said, The living will have no advantage over those who have fallen asleep. They will not meet the returning Christ ahead of the dead, nor will they have any precedence in the blessedness. That is coming. Look at verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Remember, he said, the same way I ascended, I will come. He said, with a loud command. Somebody say loud. Come on, somebody shout loud. It's going to be loud. This will not be a silent event. Everybody will know. He said, it's going to be loud with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and with the dead in Christ will rise first. Again, this will, be, this will be loud, and the dead in Christ will rise first. It'll begin with them. Now, side note here, this does not mean that you know, those who are dead, those who are asleep, are just kind of wandering around and, and they're, they're in some sleep mode, they're in some resting mode, awaiting for the return of Christ, because Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So wherever they are, In whatever state our loved ones are in, we know that they are with who? The Lord. So it goes on in verse 17. After that, we who are still alive, us, are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet who? To meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Now this passage here is the basis of what people would call the rapture. And again, whatever it is that you believe, there's no arguing with what Paul is saying and the clarity of his language and his verbiage here. But what we can argue with and what we can struggle to understand is the timing of all of this, how this all plays out. When, is this, when does this happen? You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, he said, for then there will be a great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. There is gonna be great trouble Beyond anything that we've ever seen, you know, many people believe there's going to be a seven-year tribulation, and the question is for for the believers because this passage says here that we will be caught up in the air. So, my my, what what I'm struggling with is is when is that catching up in the air? You know, many would say, oh, it's it's before all of this. Some would say it's in the middle of all of this, and some would say it's at the end of all of this. But I'm not here to make a stance, and nor do I think our differences should divide us. But here's what I wanna say, and here's what I wanna preach today. Regardless, the day of the Lord is coming. It's going to happen. It's gonna be a good day for the believers, it's not gonna be a good day for those who don't believe. But it's going to happen. It's going to be big. It's going to be loud. Everyone is going to know about it. In fact, I want you to write this. Just write down Matthew chapter 24. I can't read it for you, but read the entire Matthew chapter 24. Because Jesus talks about his arrival and what it's going to look like. And what it's going to sound like. And what's going to happen. I mean, it's it's crazy what takes place. And so my question for you is, will you be ready? Or will you be caught sleeping? Will you be ready for the return of Christ or will you be caught sleeping? It's important to know that in chapter four, when Paul says sleep, he's referencing those who have passed on, who are dead. But now as we get into chapter five, he references the word sleep. He's talking about those who are morally indifferent. He's talking about those who are ignorant or careless to the spiritual things, okay? So when I, when I say, will you be ready or will you be caught sleeping? I'm not saying, will you be dead? I'm saying, will you be um, spiritually dead? Will you be illiterate to what's going on? Will you be ignorant to what's going on? So will you be ready or will you be caught sleeping? Turn to the person next to you and say, don't get caught sleeping. Don't get caught sleeping. Let's look at verse one in chapter five. It's interesting to me that Paul is, you know, theologians say that Jesus has only been gone for 20 years now. And Paul is already talking about this. He's already bringing attention to the return. It's like 20 years now and Paul's saying, he could come. So you've got to be ready. Look at what he says in verse 1 of chapter 5. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, or the times and seasons, we do not need to write to you. For you know, somebody say you know, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Remember two weeks ago, we were in Thessalonians chapter 3. And Paul says something interesting to them, to the people of Thessalonica, he said, you know quite well that you are destined for trials. You, you already know this. Paul's only been with him for a few weeks before he was experiencing persecution and the Jewish people were sending him out to different places. He went to Berea, then he went to, where did he end up? Where, in Athens, right? So, so, so these people are kicking Paul out of here. So Paul was only with this church for a few weeks to establish a church. And he's just wondering, he's wondering if if they're still standing. He's wondering if they're still believing. He said in chapter 3, I know quite well that you knew these trials were coming. You were ready for them. You were prepared for them. But now he's saying, again, you already know that the day of the Lord is coming. in In a span of a few short weeks, Paul was able to teach them some of the most challenging things to comprehend. The most challenging things to wrap their minds around. They were, still, it, it, they were still standing. They still knew they got it. It made not complete sense to them, but it made sense. I just wonder if, if we have taught you or your small group leaders have taught you or the people you listen to online have taught you or the people, your personal time with the Lord has helped you understand the things that are confusing to others. But to you, you not only know how to respond, but you know what to say. I just wonder, are we, are we, are we that secure are we, are we standing that firm? Do we, really, do we really? Come on, ask yourself, do I really know? Come on, do I, do I really know? Paul says, you know all this stuff is happening. What does he mean when he says times and seasons? Well, the times would be what we live in today, and the seasons would be the culture that we live in today. The seasons are the characteristics of this period. The seasons are the nature of the time. He says, I don't need to remind you of these things. Because you understand the times and the seasons. You know that the the Lord is coming back again. But here's the thing you won't know when. In Acts chapter 1, Luke writes kind of the last words of Jesus before he ascends. And in, and in verse 7 of Acts chapter 1, this is, what, this is what Luke writes because the disciples are wondering. They're like, when, when is Jesus going to restore Israel? Because the restoration of Israel, by the way, found in Ezekiel and Jeremiah, was something that was part of the new covenant. So, so they were awaiting for this restoration of Israel. Remember, the, what did the, the believers want? They wanted a king to come in and rid themselves of the Romans. They, they, were, they were ready for the restoration of Israel. So Jesus, when is this happening? This is what he says in verse 7. He said, it is not for you to know. The times or the seasons the Father has set by His own authority. In other words, you will not know the time. The time of what? The coming of the Lord, when He's coming back. You won't know the time. It's not for you to know. In fact, it's only the Father's business. I mean, could you just imagine if Jesus was like, "Hey, in two thousand and twenty-two, I'm coming back. Two thousand and twenty-two. Two thousand. If I'm a disciple, two thousand years from now, I'm not saying He's coming back because nobody knows. But what if? He's like, 3,000 years from now, I'm going to return, and I'm going to be reunited with my people, and it's going to be perfect. There will be destruction, but in 3,000 years from now, that would be discouraging to the disciples. That that, that would be detrimental to them and how they continue and what they continue to do. In fact, write this down if you're taking notes. No one knows the day and time. No one. Somebody say, no one. Turn to the person next to you and say, not even you. Tell them, I know you try to predict it on Facebook. I saw your, your conspiracy theories of when the Lord was returning. You told me it was last year. You told me it was the year before that. I've got somebody telling me every year. And you, you just tell them, you do not know. And if they claim to know, they are wrong. They are false. Because it says that we will not know. Paul even references this. Or excuse me, Jesus knows, right? No, he doesn't even know. Look at Mark chapter 13, verse 32. He says, but about this day or hour, he says, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son. So Jesus doesn't even know. But only the Father. And since no one knows, what do we do? We just sit around waiting? Sit around sleeping? No, it says in verse 33, be on guard. Be alert. Somebody say alert. He says, he says, I need you to, I need you to wake up. I need, you to, I need you to stop sleeping because you don't even know. You won't know. And, he, and Jesus says, I don't even know. But who does know is our Father. And that's for him to know. Paul says it's going to come in verse 2 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says it's going to come like a thief in the night. It'll be sudden like a thief in the night. It'll come as a, somebody say, surprise. So, so I'm a little confused here. What, what is it that we know? Because Paul is saying that, um, what does he say? He says, about the times and seasons, we do not need to write to you because you know. So what is it that we know? Do we know when the thief is going to come at night? Do we know when the, when the, when the thief is going to show up to our house? Are they going to announce it? Are they going to ring the door? Does the thief ring the doorbell? Do, do they knock, do they knock on, the, on the door? I mean, a thief isn't going to announce when they're going to arrive. They're going to, they're going to catch you while you're what? Sleeping. And you're not even going to know they're there. Reminds me of the man who showed up to the police station after he caught a man breaking into his house. And he said, Police officer, I need to speak to the man who broke into my house last night. And the police officer said, Why? He said, Because I got to ask him how he got in without waking my wife up. I've been trying that for years. (laughs) It's going to come suddenly, it's going to be a surprise. And you're not going to know. Paul says it's going to be like a thief. In the night, it'll sneak up on you. So, so what do we do? We don't get caught. What sleeping? Now, God certainly wants this day to be unexpected. So, write this down. Prepare for the unexpected. Somebody say, "Prepare, prepare for the unexpected." Just like we position ourselves for things, God is saying, "I need you to position yourself for this." Now, you're not going to know when it is, but here's how I need you to prepare. And it said it in Mark thirteen thirty-three. I need you to be on guard. I need you to stay awake. I need you to not get caught sleeping and I need you to be alert because you don't know when the time will come. The day of the Lord will come. It'll be sudden. It'll be unexpected. But Paul gives us some insight here. Again, what I want to do is I'm just kind of, I'm reading this and I want you to know that God is wanting us whenever it is that we poof in the air. um, God is wanting us to be ready. He is wanting us to stay alert. And so there might be perhaps some insight on when, this might be happening although again we will not know the time or the hour look at verse 3 while people are saying peace and safety what does it follow destruction will come while people are saying peace and security destruction will come what will precede the return of the Lord write this down peace and security then calamity Come on, peace and security, then calamity. Peace and safety, then destruction. Now, now th- this, is, this is what we're seeing here. If I go back to Matthew chapter 24, again, I want you to read the entire book of, of or that entire chapter in Matthew, Matthew chapter 24. It's interesting what takes place. But, but Jesus begins, in fact, go there with me if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 24. Look at verse 3, because, I mean, the disciples are asking this very question. Again, we're in 2022. People thought in 2000 it was going to happen. We for sure thought it was in 2020. And then we figured it would be in 2022, because 2022 is just another 2020. So we're like, when is this taking place? The disciples 2,000 years ago were asking the same question. They're like, they're like Jesus, when? This is, this, is, uh, this is what they say in verse 3 of chapter 24. It says, as, the, as Jesus was sitting in the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, and they said, tell us. I love this. They're like, Jesus, Jesus. No, nobody's here right now. Just between me and you or me and us. Judas, get out of here. Uh, Jesus, just, just tell us a little bit about, about when this is all unfolding. We won't tell anybody. So they're like, tell us, Jesus. When will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming? And, somebody say and. And of the end of the age. They're like, just just, just let us in. Let us and we won 't say anything to anybody it's just it, it, it 'll help us it, it 'll allow us to live better for you and uh, I, this is just a side note I, you know this is why I think god doesn 't give us all the answers god doesn 't give us all the details because if he gave us all the details, you might not show up. Um, you might not respond, you might not do what he 's asking you to do, so sometimes he doesn 't tell you and in here jesus isn 't telling them because he can 't tell them because he doesn 't know but what he does give them he, he, he does he does share some things but but notice again. Notice what the questions and I say questions plural because there are some questions in this in this verse right here. Go ahead and put that verse back up. Matthew chapter 24 verse 3. Notice the questions here. I see three questions. Jesus was sitting on the mount of olives and the disciples came to him privately and they said tell us when will this ha- when will what happen? Well, you have to go back to the verse prior to this because he's talking about the destruction of the temple. So, so when, will, when will that happen, Jesus? When will all the stones fall? When will there be no more building? When will that happen? But then they go on and say, and what will be the sign of your coming? Seems like another question. And what will be the signs of the end of the age? Seems like another question. Again, I'm not trying to make an argument here, but what we find and what we discover as we ask and dig a little bit deeper is that It is happening. It's going to take place. And he, he actually answers one of those questions because he starts to go on and he begins, again, read the entire thing. You don't read it now, I want you to listen. But he goes and talk, talks about the destruction that is taking place. He talks about people claiming that they're gonna be Christ. And we've seen that before, right? I remember it was, you know, Christ was in Miami. You remember that? This was years ago. I'm like, out of all places, Miami? He, he would return in Miami? I mean, Jesus speaks English, Right? Right? I don't know. You know, I just, just is what I'm thinking. Obviously, we know he doesn't speak English. He speaks all languages. But Miami? I was like, I gotta, I gotta go see Jesus. So, so he's like, this is what's gonna happen. People will start to claim that they are Christ. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Thank God we're not hearing any rumors of wars overseas. There's also gonna be nations rising against nations. There's going to be famines, earthquakes, toilet paper shortages. All of this, that's a true statement. It's in Scripture. Just kidding. It's not in Scripture. All of this is just the beginning. This is what it said in verse 8. This is just the beginning of the birth pains. The beginning? I don't want to stick around to the end. Jesus, take me now. If that's just the beginning, then I wonder what the end will be like. And so what we're seeing here is there's going to be destruction in, in, in Matthew chapter 24. In 1 Thessalonians, we also see that there's going to be destruction. But that destruction will come after, somebody say after, the peace and security. But notice, and, and I will get into this in just a second because the pronouns, we need to look at the pronouns. But it says, notice, notice who's saying, if I go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, notice who's saying. It says, while people are saying peace and calamity, then it says destruction will come on who? On them. So, by the way, this is probably a false sense of peace and security. I mean, we've seen this before. We've seen this happen all the time. Nothing's wrong. Everything's going to be okay. Meanwhile, we're like, what is really happening? Because this looks a little too too good to be true. So, odds are it's going to be a false sense of peace and security, and it's going to be coming from them, not the believers. Because the believers are saying, what? He's coming back, and we have to be ready, not Oh, it's going to be peace and security and safety for another million years before he returns. Peace and security will come after will come destruction. But, but notice the, the pronoun here. Because he said in verse 3, he said, um, peace and security will come. Destruction will come after that. But who, who will it come on? Them. Who's them? Who, who is Paul talking to? Remember, he's writing a letter to the church of Thessalonica. So who is Paul talking to? The believers. He's talking to the Christians. He's talking to the church. So he's saying, um, he notice he says this in the first few verses. He says about the times and dates, we, somebody say me, point to the person next to you and say, e- even you, even you. you do, I don't need to write these things to you because you know this. But there are going to be people who are saying this, and destruction will come on who? On them. Listen, for the unbeliever, it'll be a wrecking, but for the believer, it'll be a blessing. Come on, somebody say amen. Do I have anybody thankful for the return of Christ? Are you waiting with anticipation that we will spend eternity with God? Come on, anybody thankful and excited about that? It'll be a wrecking for the nonbeliever, but it'll be a blessing for the believer. It'll come on them. He says they will not escape. It's going to be sudden, like a thief in the night, as labor pains on a pregnant. Church, labor pains. That stuff comes quick. You know it's coming. It's inevitable that it's coming, but it comes quick. I've been in the hospital two times now, having a child, watching my wife have a child. Okay, I wasn't doing all the work. And I know that labor pains, and, and by the way, we're going to be in the hospital two months, having our third. God is blessing me with a little girl. Well, I pray it's a blessing because i got two boys now, and I love them. So the, the little girl's coming. But I know what it sounds like, and I know how quick it comes. I'll be peacefully resting on the bed couch that they've provided at the five-star hospital. And uh, to be awakened by the screams of terror, wondering if there's some alien inside of my wife's belly trying to escape. I'm like, it's, it's intense. How many have been there before? You've been there? It's crazy. Listen, I, I, I probably joke a little bit too much about all that. In fact, one time, oh, I probably shouldn't say this, but one time I, I shouldn't say this, but I took my phone and I just hit a voice memo and I said, record. I just wanted to go back and listen to just the, the joyful music of Labor Pains. And uh, I got it. I'll, I'll send it to you just if you want. Um, so, so what did I do? What can you do? This is this is awesome. If you're going to be a dad soon, and your wife is in labor pains, and she's and she's listen, I can't even begin to exp, exp, uh, explain the pain that they go through. So, women, you are mothers. You are amazing. You are incredible. But what do you do? Here's an option. If she starts screaming, you start screaming. She's like ah, you're like ah, you know. She's like ah, you scream. The nurses will have no idea who's about to have this baby. Is it him or is there? having no idea. I I try that with my kids. It doesn't really work. If they scream, I scream. It just makes my wife scream. So uh, it didn't really work that way. But I'm just like, this is intense. I know how sudden it is. And I know how inevitable it is. So it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You just don't know when. And so this is what Paul is saying. For those who don't believe, it will come on you like labor pains. It will be a surprise. And it will be sudden. And it will be destruction. Look at what he says in verse 4. But you... Somebody say me. Again, now he's, where is he directing his attention? He was focusing on the, 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 the unbelievers. You guys are the unbelievers today. And he was, then he was now turning his direction to the believers. And then one of you are like, get me over there. He's like, now you, now, now I'm talking to you, brothers and sisters. You are not in darkness so that this day should not surprise you. This is what he says in verse 5. You are children of the light. Come on, anybody thankful that you are children of the light? I am a child of God. I am a son. You're a daughter of God. I, and he says, you're a child of this day. We were built for this day. It's been in the books ever since this all started. Jesus was going to be reunited with his bride. And I cannot wait for that day. You've been built. This is what it says. You've been built for this day. You're children of light. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others. Who are sleeping? But let us be awake, somebody say awake, and sober. I, you know, we hear it all the time. Some people are like, I'm just going to do my own thing for, for as long as I can. And then right before I die is when I'll repent of my sins. And we've seen that before. We, we, we of course, see it in movies. And we're like, that, that could be me. I could enjoy my pleasures, enjoy my sin, do whatever I want. And then right before I'm about to die, I'll know when. Right before. I'll confess my sins. And I think most of the time, it's not the case. Remember, Scripture says, you don't know what tomorrow will hold. Your life is but a vapor. It's here, and then it's gone. So to say, I'm gonna wait till the end... I'm gonna wait till the end to fix my relationship with my kids, I'm gonna wait till the end to fix my relationship with my, my marriage, I'm gonna wait till the end to bring restoration, I'm gonna wait till the end to start going to church, I don't need to go now, I got too many things, I'm too focused on other things, I'm gonna live my life and then when my, when my moments are near, it's then I will repent. And I, we have too many Christians or too many so-called Christians who are spiritually dead and the only awakening they're gonna get is when Christ takes them. And it'll be too late. Because just like labor pains are sudden, just like the return of Christ will be sudden, your death may be sudden. It may not be planned as as you thought. I'm just gonna fall asleep in my old age and then I won't wake up and I'll just wake up next to Christ. Like that's, that, that may, it may be sudden. And so what do we do? Well, scripture's clear, don't live in darkness. Abstain all these things. We talked about abstaining sexual immorality last week. Or was it two weeks ago? Or three weeks ago? I don't remember. That every, my dad says every week, abstain from sexual immorality. It's a good note. Every week. Not just some weeks. So every week. But this is this abstain from darkness. Don't get caught sleeping. It's so important for you. Listen, for the unbeliever, this will be sudden and they won't be ready. For the believer, it'll also be sudden, but you will be ready. Amen? We will be ready. It's not going to be a complete surprise for us. Sure, we don't know the time or the hour. No one knows that. But perhaps we may know some of the signs. Perhaps we may know some of the, some of the seasons. This is why it's so important for us not to get caught up in the things of the world. This is why it's so important for us to be sober. Because if we're not sober, if we are drunk, then we're not that the spirit of God isn't running us. The spirits of man are. And so we have to be very careful to say at all times, in all moments, in all seasons, I've got to be ready. Come on, tell the person next to you, you got to stay awake. We got to be ready. In fact, Spurgeon says this so well. I, I love Spurgeon. This is what he says. He says, a prisoner in his cell is about ready to be led to execution. His heart is terrified at the thought of hanging from his neck terrified of death and of what awaits him after death. But all the while, a man with a letter of pardon for the condemned sits in another room and sleeps. Don't get caught. Sleep. It is time, church, to stop spiritually sleeping and to start spiritually watching. It is time to stop spiritually sleeping and start spiritually watching. We have got to stay awake because some of us are asleep. Some of us like our sleep way too much. Some of you, you are zombies until you get that cup of coffee. Some of you can't even talk. Do we have anybody out there? You can't talk. You can't say anything until you wake, until you get coffee, till you get whatever you got to get, whatever you got to do, brush your teeth. That's a good thing. You know, you just can't do, you can't do anything until, until you get what you need. Some of us, it's a struggle to wake up. I've got kids who are five and under. They have no problem with waking up, nor do they have any problem with waking us up. This was two nights ago. It was like 2 a.m. in the morning. I got up. I was like, I right, go to the bathroom. I turn around and boom, there is my four-year-old standing there looking at me in the face. I about cast out a demon in that room. I was so scared. I do not know what was going on. I was like, what is happening? And come to find out, he came to my wife's side and she was like, go to your daddy's side. And so there I am, scared to death, about to get like... Jeez, I need. I was like, "Lord, save me again," you know. So, uh so sometimes it's so challenging for people to get waking up. Sometimes you got to take that bucket of water and just dump it. You ever done that for? Just I wouldn't recommend it, but it's fun. Dump it on somebody who is sleeping. I found the bottle of water poured on me. You know, one mother tried this with her son. There was a mother who who was just really struggling with her son waking up, and she couldn't get him up, and he was always waking up late. She's like, "You need." You need to do better. You need to get up early. Somebody say early. We have any early risers out there? You're up before like the crack of dawn, like the sun ain't even out for like six more hours. And there you are studying, reading. You've conquered the entire world. This mother's like, I want my son to be that way. So she tells him a a, a story and and she says, I need you to explain it to me. Tell me what you learned. And we've heard the early bird gets the worm, right? And so the mother looks to her son and she says, "Um, here it is, listen up. The bird that gets up early, gets the worm and can feed its family. But the bird that wakes up late, the bird that gets caught sleeping in, the bird that hits that snooze button 20,000 times doesn't find the worm because there is no worm and doesn't feed its family. She pauses and looks at her son and she says, so what what did you learn? The son thinks and he responds and he says, the worm that gets up early gets eaten. Not sure he understood that story. But I I think I think we need to be people who are awake and ready. We need to be people who are up early. We need to be people who aren't who aren't sleeping in, you know, literally, you know, mentally, figuratively, whatever. We need we need to be awake. Come on, we need to be awake because we have no idea when the coming of the Lord is taking place. We need to stop spiritually sleeping and we need to start spiritually watching. God is wanting to transform our sleeping into watching. He's wanting to transform our inactivity into activity. God is wanting to do something. We've got to be ready. Look at verse seven. I'm gonna finish with some of these last few verses. Verse seven of 1 Thessalonians chapter five. It says, for those who sleep, sleep at night, And those who get drunk get drunk at night, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober. How? By putting on what? Faith and what? Love. Come on, somebody say faith. Faith and love. Love as a breastplate and the hope, somebody say hope, of salvation as a helmet. How do we stay ready? How do we be prepared? How do we, with anticipation, await the return of Christ? It's by putting on faith, love, and hope. Wait a minute, we've seen this before. This is why I love the Bible. We have seen this passage before. Go with me to chapter one of 1 Thessalonians. Paul mentions this already in chapter one. Where am I? I'm not in that book. Let me just read it on my iPad. 1 Thessalonians chapter one, it says, We remember before our God and Father, your work produced what? By faith. Your labor prompted by what? Love and your endurance inspired by what? Hope. I mean, there's three, this is why I love the Bible because Paul is going back to what he said. He just said it a bit different, but it's the same three things. He's not changing his things. He says, these, these are the three things. There is an equipping that needs to take place. There is a readiness that needs to take place. There is a preparation that needs to take place. You've got to get set up if you're going to stand up. Church, you have to be set up if you are going to stand up and be ready for this. You wanna be ready? Well, here's the three things you have to know. Here's the three questions you have to ask. Where is my faith in God? Number two, how is my love towards people? And number three, where is my hope in? That's what Paul says. You wanna be ready? You gotta stay sober, you gotta be alert, you you gotta stop sleeping, you gotta wake up. But here's what you have to do. Ask yourself this question. How is my faith towards God? Is it good or is it not so good? How is my love towards people? Is it good or is it not so good? And that's that's not just your friends, that's your enemies too. And lastly, where is my hope in? What have we been placing our hope in? Are we placing our hope in the the, the deep core drillers in the movie Armageddon expecting them to save our planet? I mean, that was a crazy crew right there if if you've ever seen that movie. Is that, are we placing our, our, our trust in, in the government that's going to help us and save us? Are we placing ourselves in a military that's going to protect us? Are we, placing ourselves, or are, we, are we putting our hope and our trust in things that will fade away, that we will not be taking with us when we die, when we pass on? What are you putting your hope in? Jesus. It's on the rock of Jesus that when every wind comes, every rain comes, every storm and trial comes, I can remain standing because my hope is built and found on the solid rock of Jesus. Amen. So what is your hope in? The end of the world is coming. The return of Christ is coming. I'm freaking out. Somebody get Bruce Willis. We got to figure this out because we are going to die or is it I'm okay because when Christ comes, it'll be a good day for me because it'll be then that I will have eternal glory with him. That's the beginning. For the non-believer, it's eternal darkness, but for the believer, it's eternal glory with Jesus. So I am with anticipation and preparation awaiting the return of Christ. But let me let me just finish this cuz I'm not going to read the, I'm going to leave the last few verses of 1 Thessalonians 5 for you to go home and read along with Matthew 24, along with every week abstaining from sexual immorality, um, along with just reading the entire Bible if that's okay with you. But uh, I'm going to leave from verses 12 on for you. This is the final instructions. This is where we get what the will of God is for our life. This is where we get that famous passage that all you need to memorize. 1 Thessalonians five seventeen. pray continually. That's it. There you go. You got one down. But that's going to be for you to read. Let me just finish these last few verses, starting from verse 9. This is what he says. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive. Somebody say appoint. Somebody say receive. Notice the sovereignty of God here. Appoint. Notice the effort of man here. Receive. Paul already talked about this in Romans. It's chapter 9 and 10 the sovereignty of God and the effort by man when it comes to salvation. It's there, he's once again saying it again. It goes on to say in verse 10, he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Now he's, he's now referencing back to those who are sleeping, those who are dead, not those who are Um, Ignorant or careless towards spiritual things. He's talking about those who are passed on, believers. He says, we may live together with them. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Comfort each other, edify each other, build each other up. We're gonna do this hand in hand. And one day when Christ comes, we'll be together. We'll be in church forever. I know that's disappointing to some of you, but we will be in church forever with each other. To turn to the person next to you and say, I'm gonna be with you in heaven forever, whether you like it or not. We'll be roommates. We'll be, we'll, be, uh, we'll be neighbors. It'll be glorious. I know you're not thinking it's going to be glorious, but it will, it'll be glorious. You know, every, uh, every Christmas for the past couple years, my uh, wife and, and, uh, and our kids, um, we've left out uh, cookies and milk for Santa. And uh, I'm not going to tell him. She's going to tell him. But uh, <laughs> we left out cookies and milk for Santa. And it's crazy because I'll wake up Christmas morning and, like, the cookies are gone. I'm like, who, who ate the cookies? What happened? And uh, I'm imagining my wife just sitting there eating the cookies, just stuffing them down her her mouth. Uh, So uh, I'm like, what the heck? Uh, But, you know, we leave cookies and milk out for Santa to come. One of my friends, like in their house, they actually had, like, Santa's footprints. I was like, all right, that's a little too much. You know, I think uh, Paul is kind of saying the same thing. You know, are you preparing the table? Are you preparing your hearts? Did you set out the milk and cookies? Because Jesus is coming back. Jesus is returning. Whether you, like it, not, whether you like it or not, it may not be in our age. It may be in our kids' age. But it could be any moment. We're certainly seeing signs. We're certainly seeing times and seasons. And it's crazy. Everybody's predicting it. People have been predicting it for, for the longest time. People were predicting it then in, in this day. In fact, there's so much to this, and we haven't, even, we haven't even talked about Revelation. And I think next year, we're going to do a whole study through Revelation. We're going to offer it like on a separate night. You want to come and learn about all the crazy things in Revelation and, and what God has for us and what the visions that John on the island of Patmos was trying to comprehend and understand. We're going, to, we're going to do that next year. It's because we know everybody's talking about it. And so we want to give you some biblical insight on maybe what we think we know of what we think God is saying here. But I think Paul is saying this to the people in Thessalonica as we wrap up this model church thing. He's saying, I just want you to prep the table. I want you to prepare your heart. I want you to prepare your minds. I don't want you to get caught in darkness and I certainly don't want you to get caught up sleeping. I need you to be awake. Come on, somebody say awake. Somebody say wake up. Come on, stand up to your feet if if you're in this place. How do we do it? By putting on faith. Hope and love. Faith, hope, and love. That's it. Faith, hope, and love. Don't get caught sleeping because soon Christ will return. And very soon we will be with the King forever. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We love you. And God, there's so much that we could have talked about, so much that perhaps I don't even know how to share because I don't even know. But here's what I do know, Lord, that your word does not return void. Your word, which is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training, God, I pray that that will go forth as people leave this room. For those watching online, at whatever point they're watching this, God, that they would not only be challenged, but encouraged to be ready. And for those who are ready, that they are encouraged that they are ready and to stay ready. But I wonder if there's anybody in this room today, under the sound of my voice, anybody watching online, you're saying, I I can't be ready because I don't know who Jesus is. The scripture is very clear. It says that Jesus knocks on your heart and says, let me in. He has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And he wants you to open your eyes so you can see Jesus. The truth is we're all sinners in need of a savior. Many of us in this room have accepted him. And if you're in this room and you're watching on the line and you have not, I want you to pray this prayer. If you're feeling this, if you're saying, Jacob, I, I'm sensing that I need to do something. I need to respond in some way. Would you pray this prayer with me? In fact, church, would you all pray this prayer with me? Say, Heavenly Father, Lord, forgive me my sins. Come into my life. Accept me for who I am and begin to change me. Make me into the person that you want me to be. Help me to love you. Help me to serve you. Help me to obey you for the rest of my days. Today, come on, today I am your child and you are my father. It's in Jesus' name everybody said amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for maybe those who have, have made that decision. If you made that decision, there's that connect card in the seat in front of you. There's something online that we'll give you that we want you to fill out and, Meet us at the Welcome Tent if you're here in person. Send us, let us know you made the decision. We want to put something in your hand. We want to. Thanks send so you- much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at dlcministries.com give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.